Hello, everybody. It's Friday, May 26. Brian Janikowski, this is Christian Thwaites. And this is Emily Taken-Burtz, and let's get started. So, Christian, I wanted to start with the bond market first this week. Uh, you know, bond yields have remained remained very, very stubborn. They haven't been going up, and they've been trading in a very narrow range for the last six months or so. Is this the market really just saying that it, it doesn't expect a lot of inflation um, in the foreseeable future? I think it's exactly what it's saying. We've seen bond yields trade as low as 224 this week. This was a week when the White House budget was presented, which we've talked a little bit more about on the on the uh, written blog, which should have been uh, quite a concern for the bond markets. Uh, but no, the bond market basically shrugged it off and uh, and kept and rallied over the over over the week. If you've been in the long bond, you'd have made about one percent on your money in in one week. I think. What's happening is with the Fed minutes, which came out on Wednesday, the GDP numbers, which came out on Friday, they were revised up a little bit for the for the first quarter. But the market is really not seeing any takeoff in inflation. And as long as that's the case and growth seems to be fairly moderate, uh, I, I don't see any any big uptick in bond yields from the range today of about 220 to 240 to say 50 60 basis points higher than that and and not only are the markets saying that but uh, the data largely supports that as well we've seen very low wage growth etc is that correct that is correct they were mentioned in the minutes again in in the absence thereof uh, I think wage growth is the one area which the Fed really, looks at. They do believe there's a, a NIRU, a non-accelerating inflation rate of unemployment. They they don't really declare what it is, but they think it's, I think most people think it's between 4 and 5%. A lot of economists now think it's, uh, it's lower than that because of lower participation. But wage inflation, people would have expected it to come through, and it's just simply not there, not in a broad aggregate. And you can, you can see it in the anecdotal data. Large sectors of the economy which employ you know, millions and millions of people like retail, 15 million people out of a workforce of 130 million, they're not going to be getting wage increases. Uh, I mean, we could just sort of rattle off the sectors one by one, but really there doesn't appear to be a lot of uh, uh, labor shortage and therefore uh, wage inflation. And, um, and so uh, to your other question, the economic indicators this week were, again, not particularly good. We had, remember last week we were here and we said the same thing about housing starts. Well, this week was about home sales, not new home sales, total home sales. They were they were pretty disappointing. We had the capital goods orders on Friday, nothing to write home about. Um, so uh, wider trade deficit, which is probably going to knock half a point off GDP growth in the second quarter. So yeah, we're really not seeing a heck of a lot, which would tell us we're in a higher growth mode. I know that you're also keeping an eye on the flattening of the yield curve in the bond markets, and and you know, can you explain why this is an anticipa- uh, anticipation of a slower of slower economic growth and what that means? And you know, as a follow-up, are we at risk for uh, seeing an inverted yield curve anytime soon? Yeah, well, it, the bond market looks at yield curves, and when they say inverted, they basically mean that short-term rates, which are very much governed by the Fed are higher than long-term rates, especially five, tens, and 30 years. So if the Fed is in a tightening mode because the economy is running hot, 
they will push up short-term rates. But if the market believes that, in fact, the, the, the economy is not running that hard or is about to turn, then the longer-term rates will stay still or actually decrease. So when you get a situation where there is a big inversion of the yield curve, as we had before 2008, as we had before 2001, and actually in one of the charts we show this week, we go back nearly 60 years, and you can see it as a spot-on indicator for uh, a recession. Now, we're not there yet, but the yield curve has flattened quite a bit in the last four months, and the spread between the 10-year and the uh, three-month Treasury bill is about 140 basis points, and, and just a little while ago, it's about 200 basis points. So I think this comes back to what we discussed a few minutes ago, which is that economy is not running particularly strong. The Fed might try and push up Fed funds rate. They're at 1%, but you know, three-month treasuries are running below that. So uh, I think it just says that the economy doesn't expect growth to you know, be rip-snorting rip, and <laughs> ripping to the upside and, uh, uh, and be an inflation concern. Let's turn to equities now. Um, you know, the big headline, I think, in terms of equities that we've seen this week was that Amazon uh, was flirting with the uh, $1,000 per share. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, there's that tech story in um, domestic stocks, but I know that we've been tracking European stocks and international stocks very closely um, since the beginning of the year. Can you give us an update on what's going on uh, in Europe, in the Eurozone, as well as Japan? Well, the, the European markets have been slowly moving ahead. There's been no big headlines, there's no big single corporate story, but slowly the deflation risk is minimizing and, and may well be over. Uh, the world trade numbers and obviously the European, the Eurozone runs a massive current account surplus, trade account surplus, has been doing well. Um, and generally growth and optimism have been doing slightly better. And then investors, I think, have overlaid all of that with the conclusion that the political risk is diminished. And obviously that was from the French election. There's an election coming up in Germany. I don't think people are too, too concerned about that. So, so put the better growth together with the slightly diminished political risk and there's a better attitude towards European stocks which we've seen for a while um, and so that's just been chugging ahead and we just we point out that you know the German market is up 13% in local terms but to a US investor that's up over 20% year to date uh, because the dollar has been weakening so it generally it's been a good area and it's basically the same story with Japan very much you know the exports are doing well uh, deflation is still a concern there, but it's less than it was. Uh, and, and again, I think this is a market which has been long neglected by Japan, where uh, by investors, where again, also, same case in Europe, the technicals uh, are actually quite favorable right now. You mentioned uh, this morning that we are in a 2%, 2%, 2% world. Can you explain what that means? Yes, yeah, certainly. Well, uh, it's... It basically is GDP inflation and bond rates. Now, so uh, as, of, as we've discussed here, you and I, about the inability for the U.S. to break out of a 2% GDP growth, I still don't think they're going to be able to do that unless you get big jumps in productivity, you get much bigger labor force participation, uh, which, um, or, or, or you get a rundown in savings or, or um, you know, a big capital expenditure. You're not going to get it through the tax cuts. 
So 2% GDP world and then 2% inflation world, every time we tick above that, something seems to come along and notch it back down again. And I think there's so much competition in the market that it's very difficult for retail inflation to push much above that for, 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 for long periods. And then the last one is the 2%, which is a bit of a throwaway because that really is the handle in front of the 10-year. So that's been, as you know, it was had a one handle on it for long, large chunks of 2016. But uh, since since the fourth quarter, it's it's had a two handle in front of it, and that's roughly where we are now. We're in the bottom end of that. So, uh, you know, until we see a, you know major breakouts or major policy changes or something big on the horizon, it does seem that we're sort of in that two 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 world. Yeah, and are we in danger of being in kind of a persistent low growth environment for a considerable period of time? I mean, some have argued that. You know, this may be the defining kind of economic problem or issue of our time. How do we get jolted back into a higher growth, higher inflationary environment? Does this have to come from fiscal spending? Um, you know, where would we see something like that? Uh, I think we are in a two percent world, and this was coined a few years ago. Sort of the you know the new normal. We we were above it for periods, but we took on enormous amounts of leverage to to get there. And obviously, just like a company, you can leverage your growth if you take on debt. And it does seem that while uh, government debt is sort of slowly on the uprise, you know, most levels of consumer debt, mortgage debt are pretty, pretty flat and certainly not anywhere near the heights they were. So it's difficult, again, without those labor force participation and the demographic headwinds to see growth really coming in at, at above two. But, but, but don't despair. I think this is pretty... Uh, Pretty good uh, on a on a global comparison terms, and remember we're a 19 trillion dollar economy, so throwing another two percent on it every year is uh, is very nearly 400 billion dollars. So uh, you know it's 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 not a concern, but I I do think that the three percent growth put out by the administration is, is pure fantasy. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Emily, and everyone have a good weekend. And here's. The disclosure, please note this discussion of our investment investment strategy, including our research investment process, represents our investment investment strategy the day this commentary is subject to change without notice. We cannot assure the type of investments discussed in the commentary will outperform any other investment strategy in the future, nor guarantee that such investments will present the best or an attractive risk-adjusted investment in the future. It's for general information purposes only, reference to an individual security should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell it. Securities, securities rented in this commentary are only several of the successful unsuccessful investments by us and do not represent all the securities we have purchased or the recommended. Although we deem reliable the source of the statistical and other information referred to in this commentary, we cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements or numerical data. Past performance, no indication of future results. <laughs>